first and foremost, I want to say that this is an absolute privilege. Um, what a privilege in the midst of a time like this that we get to worship together. And so I just pray that uh, we would continue to be a strong community. We continue to be a community that answers our calling to usher in the next 500 years. And part of that calling is being here for one another during this time. I'm glad that we get to do that. So invite your friends, invite your family to participate in this community with us. As Sarah said, take time to, to find out ways that you can volunteer in this city so that we can help those who, who might need a little bit more assistance during this time. But what a privilege it is to answer this call right now. I'm glad that our church gets to do this. Um, and with that being said, I'm going to continue with our discernment series because right now discernment seems extra important, right? And the way I want to talk about discernment today is I want to start by talking about our brains. Now, I want to start off by saying uh, that I am no brain expert, and you'd probably figure that out by the fact that I just said brain expert instead of the scientific term, which right now I'm blanking on what the scientific term even is. Um, but regardless, let's <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> regardless, let's talk about brains for a minute. Let's start by, by thinking about our brains as a skyscraper, okay? Our brains don't actually build outward. They build upward, um, which is good. Otherwise, we'd all look like Stewie from Family Guy. So this is a good thing. Um, and so we start at the bottom. And at the base, we have our primitive brain, right? And this is the part of the brain that helps us to breathe and helps us, our blood to circulate, helps us to blink, that kind of stuff. That's good stuff. Uh, we need that to survive, so it's a good thing, right? We move up the list, and as we move up that, that list and that, that, um, that skyscraper, so to speak, we get to our lizard brains, our amygdala, our limbic system. Y'all hear of that before? Y'all yeah. know that? Yeah, right. Okay, good, good. And so here's the thing with that, with that part of that brain. That part of the brain, uh, it's a good thing, but it usually starts us off with a little bit of anxiety and a little bit of anger and a little bit of worry. That's sort of what that does. It's our fight or flight, right? Um, Sadly, some of us live in that place a little bit more. We don't love that place, but that's where we live, and we feel anxious a lot of the time. But here's the thing. It's also a good thing, right? If you are here today, it is because your ancestors, you know, tens of thousands of years ago, saw a hungry animal approaching, and they were like, you know what? I'm not going to pray about this or contemplate it. I'm going to run. And you are here today because of that. That is your limbic, that's the limbic system at work, and that's why it's a good thing, right? Now, here's what I'm going to talk about mostly today. I'm going to talk about the next part of our brain as we get a little higher up, and that is called our thalamus. Anybody ever hear thalamus before? Yeah. Some of y'all. All right, great. Now, the thalamus is where our core identity lies. Did y'all know that? I always thought it like was in the top part of our brain, in our cortex. No, it's in our thalamus, which is crazy. And our thalamus has two parts to it. Did you know it had two parts to it? Y'all are brain experts because it does have two parts to it. And so here's the thing about the thalamus and the fact that it has two parts. They sit side by side, and what they do is at our very core, everything we experience through our thalamus is binary. It's binary. So when you think about binary, it's, you know, it's black or white. It's good or bad. It's fact or fiction. It is binary. So at our very core, we are predisposed to being binary human beings. Our thalamus doesn't like to think in the gray areas. It doesn't like to think about, uh, you know, abstract concepts. In fact, when it's time for the thalamus to think about abstract concepts, you know what it does? It's like, all right, Cortex, you take over and think about abstract context. I'm going to go ahead and crack open a beer and watch TV. I don't know, whatever our thalamus does. So, so, yeah, so what happens is our thalamus is like, hey, at your very core, at your very being, you are a binary individual. That means that you are thinking concretely in, in black and white ways. Now, this is kind of an issue, right? It's kind of an issue, and we see that issue play itself out. 
And the way that we see our, that issue play itself out is think about politics, right? We've become so overwhelmed with information that we have become incredibly binary. You are either the most fundamental conservative or you are a liberal snowflake. There is no in-between on that, right? None whatsoever. Um, think about it in terms of the way we think about God or Jesus. God is either real or God is not real. There's no in-between. There's no mystery, right? We're either going to heaven or we're going to hell. We are either saved or we are unsaved. We like thinking binary, in binary ways because at our core, at our absolute core, we are binary, right? And so, and so we're, we're sitting there and we're going, well, well, how does this play out? Well, even now during the time of the virus, it's playing itself out a little bit, right? There are people who are like, I'm going to quarantine myself. I'm not going out anywhere. I'm going to wear a hazmat suit. And then there are others of us who are like, I'm going out to party in the East Village till 4 a.m., <laughs> right? There's, there's just no in-between whatsoever. We're binary thinkers, all right? Now, with the big decisions we have to make in life, the big decisions that come up, the way we discern things, this poses an issue. Our brain actually doesn't help us in this situation as much as we want it. So what do we do? Or where do we go from here? Well, what I think we do is we follow Proverbs, the wonderful book of wisdom. Y'all love that book of wisdom? Yeah. Amen. 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 This is what Proverbs says. I don't have my handy uh, stand in front of it. It says this. It says, the prudent understand where they are going. But fools deceive themselves. The prudent understand where they are going, but the fools deceive themselves. We're going to talk about prudence today. Let's talk about prudence. What does prudence mean? You know what prudence means? It is the ability to give careful thought to long-term implications when making decisions. Do people describe you all as prudent? People describe you all as prudent. <laughs> New Yorkers in general are not described as prudent people. But here we go. The fool is someone who refuses to compromise, negotiate, or change their mind. Are you described as a fool? Anybody want to raise their hand? Yeah, a couple of people raise their hand. Let that be on the record right now <laughs> that that happened. Right? And so here's the thing, right? When we want to make these really big decisions in life, what the wisdom scriptures are saying is saying, hey, prudence matters. But prudence means that we're going to have to create a third way of thinking. It means that we're going to have to move outside of the binary. It means that we're going to have to move into a place where we're going to explore other options. It means we're going to kick it up to the neocortex quite a bit and think about life in the abstract ways because the most important decisions we make in our lives do not happen in our thalamus and binary ways. The most important decisions happen when we're thinking through the third way, the gray way, the abstract way. That's usually where life happens at its best. Now, how do we do that? Well, we got to train our thalamus, unfortunately. So how many people have ever been told, hey, have you thought that through when you tell them something? Anybody ever been told that? Hey, have you thought this through? Thank you all. Yeah. And what is your first reaction when someone says, hey, have you thought this through? Remember, it goes into your limbic system. And your limbic system is like, all right, be a little anxious, be a little defensive, be a little worried. And then your thalamus is like, think it through. Of course we did. It's either this way or that way. And so when we feel that way, what we're doing, uh, when somebody says, have you thought it through, in general, our initial reaction is to maybe want to kick them in the shin, probably, right? Like, we don't like to be told to think things through. In fact, like, uh, our staff, we went away on a retreat this past week. It was an amazing retreat, like, absolutely amazing. We planned the next nine months of Forefront, which you should be really, really excited about. We didn't necessarily plan for the severity of the coronavirus, but we'll get there eventually. <laughs> But yeah, we planned that. And, and so there was one day that we worked from about 10 a.m. till about 1 a.m. And it was late. It was like 1230. 
and I started talking about our campaign. We're going to have our fundraising campaign like we do every year, and that's going to happen at the end of April. And so I started talking about that with Sarah McKenzie. And Sarah McKenzie didn't say this, but in so many words, they said, hey, have you thought this through? And uh, in my mind, in my mind, I, I didn't necessarily want to kick them in the shin. I didn't want to do that. But to say that I didn't get a little bit defensive would be a lie, right? I got a little bit defensive. And I was like, of course I've thought it through. And, and this is what I said. I said, this is the way that we always do it, right? That's a big, mm. that's when you know you are the fool. When you say something like, this is the way we always do it. And so I sat there and I got defensive and I said, well, this is how we've always done it. And I don't know if I want to do it differently. And this is how I get together with the group. And, and really, I've planned this already. And they both sort of stared at me and looked at me. And finally, I said, is it OK if I just take some time to think about this for a second? And I walked outside and I thought about it. And I said, self, why is this such a big deal to you? Like, why does it matter so much? It actually kind of brought on a little bit of pain. You see, because to play the fool, to be the fool, to be unwilling to think about third ways or other options or gray areas of the abstract, that is going to bring about some pain in our lives. You know what kind of pain it's going to bring about? It's going to bring about dumb pain. Dumb pain. I mean, there's no other way to describe it except it's dumb. Okay? Uh, it's not pain that comes from God. I would say there is pain that comes from God, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, this is not even pain that comes from Satan, though. Satan's like, I'm not even going to take that because it's dumb, right? Like, it's, it's not that. This is pain that we bring upon ourselves for our unwillingness to think outside the binary. And so I was feeling a little bit of that pain. I was feeling that defensiveness. I think about other times where we do that. A time when we say, well, it's either I spend a ton of money and go into debt, or I don't, and then we spend a ton of money and go into debt, and we have a ton of pain around it, right? We don't think about the third way to work that out. Or in relationships, somebody said to me, hey, this person stopped making me happy, so I'm going to break up with them. And I was like, since when are people here to make us happy? Like, that, 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 you know, that's an idealistic thing. No one's going to always make us happy, but you're going to break up with them? You're just going to end it because of that? That's dumb pain. You know, there are ways in which we have this dumb pain even right now, our inability to be flexible with what's going on in our world, our inability to think of others, our inability to maybe, you know, quarantine ourselves if, that would, if that's what comes next. I, I think there is some dumb pain that will come because of our inability to see a third way or to think abstract. So I had this dumb pain, right? And, and it was this dumb pain where my thalamus was like, hey, don't listen to anybody else. Do what you want to do and, and, and don't listen. And I was like, I don't think that's going to work because you see, to be prudent is to uh, prudent people, they understand where they are going. They understand where they are going. The fools, they're the ones that are deceived. And I think about Proverbs again. And I think about Proverbs and the fact that most scholars believe it's a book uh, that is uh, given to us, and it's a wisdom book, but it was given to people who are training to be high-level leaders. That's who it was for. Unfortunately, high, most of them were men, uh, which the times, right? But anyway, they were training to be high-level leaders, and, and basically what is being said to these high-level leaders are, hey, if you are going to be a leader that matters, if you're going to make changes in life, if you're going to do the things that, that you know are going to bring about peace and hope and goodwill to this nation, stop thinking in binary ways. You know what word is used most in Proverbs? You're going to be really excited about this. Anybody guess? No. Full. Fool. 71 times. 71 times. Basically, to the people who are being leaders, they're saying, you are going to end up the fool should you not move outside of your thalamus and think in different ways. 
you are going to end up the fool. And so I walked back inside, and at this point, it was like 1.15 in the morning. Mackenzie had long given up on me and went to bed, but Sarah was there working diligently like she always does. And I said, Sarah, I got to tell you, I am super excited about what you said. I'm super excited about what both you and Mackenzie said because this is actually going to change our church. It's going to change our community. This is good, but I had to go through the dumb pain to get there. Friends, we do not have to go through the dumb pain to get to that place. We don't have to do it. And discernment, the question, have you thought this through? Once we get past our amygdala and past our thalamus, is a really good question. Are we thinking it through? And in thinking it through, we're going to get some divine pain. Now, divine pain does come from God. And divine pain does challenge us. Divine pain is happening to my wife and I right now. What's going on with my wife and I right now? We are incredibly, uh, I, I, I would say extreme. We're extreme extroverts, both of us. Extreme extroverts. <laughs> And yet, we're extroverts? Yeah, 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 word. All right. Paying for it, yeah, right? And so with, with, yeah, with COVID-19 going on, there's a sense in which we're like, oh, great. Everybody's lives are disrupted. Let's all get together and have a party, right? That's what we want to do. And at the same time, we're like, no, no. You know, when we think about it a third way, this isn't about us. Truth of the matter is, and we all know this at this point, truth of the matter is someone like us, mid-age, healthy, younger, we're going to be okay. The truth of the matter is there are plenty of people in this city that will not if we decide to go out and do those things we want to do. So Juby and I sat down and we said, well, maybe we want to do some of these things and hang out with our friends and get all excited. And then we're like, but we also want to make sure that we don't get anybody else sick. We don't want to contribute to that. I would call that a bit of divine a sense in which we know what's best. We've thought it through. We've discerned a process. And yeah, it's not going to work out for our benefit. But you know what it is going to do, divine pain? It works out for the benefit of others. It works out for the benefit of the whole. Divine pain asks us to look beyond ourselves. It asks us to say, sometimes that third way is not going to be in your wheelhouse. Sometimes it's going to mean your partner is not going to make you happy all the time. And what you do in that situation is you keep working on it anyway because there's something bigger and wholer and realer and more fulfilling than just being made happy all the time. Right? Divine pain means sometimes we don't go on that trip and we don't go into debt even though all of our friends are going to the Grand Caymans and getting cabanas. That sounds like fun. <laughs> But we know in the long run it might hurt us, right? So how do we go about creating prudence, which we know brings divine pain, but in the long run it brings fullness? What do we do? How do we end the binary? How do we stop being the fool and start being the prudent? How does that work? Because honestly, it's not like we can sit there and like consciously say to our thalamus, thalamus, leave me alone for a bit, kicking it with my cortex for a while. Like we can't do that, right? So what do we do? And this is where, in our discernment series, um, this is where we've been really practical, right? We've said from the get-go, this is a bit of a practical series for us. How do we think through some of these bigger questions, especially now, when there's, you know, week-to-week, hour-to-hour big questions that we're constantly dealing with about how we operate in the midst of something brand new for us, right? And so what I love is uh, that New Life Church in Queens, they work a lot, a lot, on being emotionally healthy in the way we live out our spiritual life. And so... In, in uh, determining prudence, uh, their pastor, Rich Velotis, he talked about these things, and I love it. So, Rich Velotis, thank you so much for these. I'm, I'm stealing them from you, and we can talk later, I promise. Um, so how do we come up with uh, prudence? What, how would we become prudent? How do we, th- how do we become third-way thinkers? Number one, the question we ask ourselves, am I rushing? Am I rushing my decision? Dallas Willard says this. He says, the greatest enemy to the spiritual life is hurry. The greatest enemy to the spiritual life is hurry. 
And I think about this, especially as New Yorkers. I think about the fact that as New Yorkers, we are asked to make literally snap decisions. And in fact, in this time where, where we're dealing with COVID-19, we're asked to make super snap decisions without being able to think about it. Now, sometimes there's a privilege to being able not to rush, but the truth of the matter is if we can, are we rushing? What if, what if we went counterculture? And what if, maybe not on, on some of the virus stuff, but what if in terms of whether or not we get a new job, whether or not we take our relationship to the next level, whether or not we, we think about another way of income, whether or not we decide to move, whatever the case may be, the bigger the decision, what, about, what if the bigger the decision, the slower we were to make the decision? How might that change us? Would we be less foolish? Would we be more willing to kick it up to our cortex and start thinking in third way abstract options? Am I rushing? What's the next one? The next one, because I've completely forgot, I have to look at my notes, which I never do when you all are around, ever. But I'm doing now. <laughs> Am I avoiding the hard work of thinking? Am I avoiding the hard work of thinking? So this is my confessional, y'all. I avoid the hard work of thinking. Do you ever want to know when I'm avoiding thinking about something big? I'll tell you how, you can, how you'll know. I eat too much, I drink too much, and I'm always looking for a party. You know why? Because it stops me from thinking. It stops me from having to do the thing I want to do, right? And the thing I want to, or, or the thing I don't want to do, I should say, and the thing I don't want to do is I don't want to sit down and process this really big thing that I have to process. I don't want that to happen. And so I say, hey, I'm going to fill myself up with food and drink and, and partying. And, and you know what? There's a really divine pain that comes when you stop avoiding the thinking. Yeah, it's going to stink for a while. You're going to have to think it through. But at the end, it's going to be fulfilling. You know what? Dumb pain comes from the avoidance. And legitimately, physical dumb pain comes from the avoidance. We've all partied too much and woke up the next day. True or false? True. 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 Thank you. So are we avoiding thinking? Are we avoiding doing what we need to do in order to think about that third way, in order to make that big decision? Thirdly, Am I rushing? Am I avoiding thinking? Have I honestly assessed my strengths and weaknesses? Have I honestly assessed my strengths and weaknesses? One of the best bits of advice I ever got, like legitimately ever got, was someone said to me, they sat me down and they said, Jonathan, all of us know what we know. All of us. We're all good at something. We all have information on something. We know what we know. And he said, Jonathan, the key to real wisdom is knowing what you don't know. Knowing what you don't know is the key to real wisdom. I think that is so true. Think about people who don't know that they don't know. People who don't know that they don't know are insufferable people. They are, because what do they do? They think they're experts on all of it. They have an opinion on everything. Nothing is informed, and you're like, hey, so-and-so's coming. They don't know that they don't know. I don't want to hang out with them, right? When you know that you don't know, you're able to properly assess your weaknesses. You're able to say, oh my gosh, yeah, this is an area where I'm deficient. This is an area, thalamus, that I don't want to use you. Cortex, I don't want to use you either. I actually want to ask for help. I actually want accountability. I actually want to go to somebody who might know or somebody who can assess that. That's what I love about our church. I continue to hear stories about people in our church, people who have been like, hey, you know what? I'm thankful for this small group that I'm now in because I was able to sit there and discern what I needed to discern one night with six or seven people helping me out, and that has changed me. And I'm like, yes, that's it. That's what this community is for. Our community is here to do the assessment and discernment and, and to help us with strengths and weaknesses. If you don't have that right now, Let's do it together. 
listen, I have my fair share of weaknesses and it's in my weaknesses, uh, me being able to say, hey, I'm not good at this. Hey, I need help with this. And the leadership team can tell you there are times when I didn't want the help. <laughs> they can tell you. But it's when I started to say those things that our church started growing. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that just means we're being wiser in our discernment. Next one. Am I paying attention to those who do not have the privilege of prudence? Am I paying attention to those who don't have the privilege of prudence? As this virus is showing all of us, it's showing all of us that there are people who cannot slow down to make a decision. There are people who don't have the luxury to, ste to step back and be like, hmm, what do I do in this situation? There are people who don't have a community to assess strengths and weaknesses with. There are people who have to simply go to work and hope to God that this whole thing blows over. Their livelihood is at stake in it. Are we paying attention to those people? Are we paying attention to the people in our community, the people in our city who are in that spot? Are we paying attention to people uh, maybe not even in the midst of this virus? Maybe, maybe, you know, systems are in place that have kept people in cycles where they cannot in any way develop prudence because if the second they try to do that, their livelihood is messed with. As a church, let's proactively pay attention to those who don't have the privilege of prudence. Say that five times fast. Proactively pay attention to those who do not have the privilege of prudence. Now, I can give you a bunch of examples, and I, but I think you know what we're talking about here. People that, you know, they're like, hey, listen, I have kids. I'm a single parent. I don't have time to make this decision. What if we said, hey, I'll watch your kid, and I'll give you three hours to sit down and think this through? What if we did something like that? What if a small group got together, and what if a small group, this person said, hey, I, you know, if I stop to even try to think, I'm going to lose out on a day's pay. Well, what if a small group got together and raised money so somebody could have a day's pay? Those are the ways that we can, we can pay attention to those who don't have the privilege of prudence. And last but not least, this is the last one. We pray. We pray. Sounds super trite, right? But guess what, y'all? I'm going to talk about the thalamus one more time. Woo! All right. Thalamus. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> you know what happens when we pray? I love this. And I, I learned this from Science Mike McGarg a bunch of years ago. You guys know Science Mike? Anybody? Anyway, he's great. He's got a great podcast. Yeah. Um, when you pray and when you meditate on a loving God, you know what your thalamus does? It grows. So those, the two sides, the two sides, the binary sides, one side starts growing bigger than the other. And you know what happens to that side? That side stops thinking in the binary. It's true. Like, all this is true. We can ask Science Mike one day, all right? <laughs> it stops thinking in the binary. What ends up happening when we pray and meditate on a loving God, what ends up happening is you have more time for, for joy, and you have more time for hope, and you have more time for a sense of calm. There are studies have, that have been shown that when you meditate and pray to a loving God every day, that you will have more time for forgiveness and more time for love and more patience for others. You see, when you pray, there's a God at, literally at work in your brain, changing your brain to stop thinking in binary ways and to start thinking through as to what the will of God is in each and every one of our lives. Angela's going to talk more about prayer next week. But today, today when we pray, here's what I can promise you. I can promise you that you might be the fool and that you might be deceived and you might be feeling the dumb pain. And guess what? You're still loved by God. 
And you might be making some really good decisions and you might be like, listen, I got this covered. And, and the virus stuff, I fully got it covered. And, and you're ahead of the game. Great. God loves you and you're God's child. And there might be some of you who are in the midst of this and are scared and who are anxious and don't quite know what to do. And God is sitting there and God is going, good, feel that way. It's okay. You are still my child. In fact, I am working in you and through you and growing parts of you that are going to help you through this experience and know that you have free will and I've given you wisdom and the work that I'm doing in you right now, even though it feels anxious and scary and, and, and the prudence thing doesn't quite make sense and all the rest, know that the work that I am doing in you right now, you're going to look back on it and you are going to have reverence and awe and you can expect that it is going to bring peace to this kingdom, even in such a time as this. Mm. So y'all, let's end this service with expectation for what's to come. That in the midst of anxiety, we can practice prudence. We can think of a third way. We can move beyond the binary. And let's be ready and to thank God and be joyful and be hopeful and to praise for all that is to come. Can I get an amen, everyone? Amen. Let us pray together. God, this feels so uncertain and it feels really, really scary. Uh, and I know there are plenty of us in this room with anxiety and plenty of us watching online with, with crazy anxiety. I know there are those of us who just who, who don't want to think things through, who, who are just reacting and rushing. And so, God, I pray that you would allow us to stop to see you and to know that you are God and to know that you are good. God, for those of us with that anxiety who are scared, I pray that this community would rally around each other, not only each other, but we would rally around others in this city who are feeling that anxiety and that we would be your hands and feet continuously discerning a third way or abstract ways in which to bring your good news to people. God, right now, we thank you for all that you've done and for all that you'll continue to do in this. And God, when it does get bad, and when we're truly afraid and when we're physically ill, we pray boldly for your presence and for your spirit to be upon this place, all of us, and all this world, and that we would see great healing come. God, we thank you that even in the midst of our foolishness, that you continue to love us as your children. We thank you for the grace that comes when we're afraid to be prudent. We pray this all in your name. Amen.